Welcome to the Battle Cry Podcast with Convention of States Action President Mark Meckler. You can watch the original live broadcast Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Convention of States Facebook and Rumble channels. So tonight we're going to talk about a, a topic that I have brought to you guys before, and you guys know I'm a staunch supporter. There is an organization called Convention of States, and Convention of States advocates for an Article 5 convention. Uh, where is Article 5? Everybody remember? Come on. Where is Article 5? Come on now. I can't hear you. It's in the Constitution, the U.S. Constitution. And so we're going, to t- we're going to have a discussion about that tonight because I want you guys to know what this organization is, what they do, and how you can get involved. And, 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 you, and, and, and this organization can weaponize you to be able to have the tools to help take back your communities. Because there's a lot that can happen with an Article 5. You'll hear all these different groups talking about what's wrong with an Article 5. So we're going we're gonna to debunk all those myths tonight. And for all of you watching online, take notes, put on a seatbelt, whatever you got to do, because you're, you're in for a treat and the ride of your life tonight with a gentleman that I met, um, actually met him years ago um, with, with when I was doing the tea parties. Um, and, and, and now he is the president of Convention of States. And so I want you to welcome tonight my very special guest, my dear friend, Mark Meckler. Bless you, brother. You can have a seat. Got a mic right over here for you. Thank you. Thank you. Great man of God. Thank you. I appreciate you. And your mic's already on, so... Um, so I just want you to start by giving them a little background on who you are and, and the journey you've had with God that made you who you are, that we had that discussion a long time ago, but that journey blessed my life. Uh, definitely blessed my life. So uh, I was raised in Los Angeles, California. Please don't hold that against me. <laughs> it means that I had to do a lot of remedial education because I went to public school there. Uh, one of the things, I was raised in a family in the San Fernando Valley suburb of Los Angeles. Uh, in a secular Jewish family. Uh, both my parents Jewish, our families go back to Ukraine. Uh, and so just grew up in that environment, very Jewish environment, but not a religious environment. Uh, no God in the home. Uh, obviously, God was always there, but <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't acknowledge that. My family celebrated Hanukkah, occasionally do a Passover Seder, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. So we knew that stuff culturally. We were what I would call cultural Jews. Uh, or maybe uh, we were non-religious, but we were practicing some of the rites. And so I knew about it, and the family's very culturally Jewish. Mom makes great chicken soup, matzo ball soup. So we grew up with all that. Uh, but again, no, no faith in the family. I went through uh, California public schools. I went to undergrad in San Diego. I always was interested in religion and interested as a student of history and interested because if you don't understand religion, you can't understand humanity. It's always been a factor in humanity. So I took religion classes at San Diego State University. It's a really important turning point in my life because I went from being somebody who really didn't think much about God at all, just didn't think about it, to becoming a strident atheist. Those religion classes taught me specifically in summary that Christianity was the most evil force ever to exist on the face of the earth. 
I remember this line, uh, and I heard it repeatedly in those classes, that more people have died in the name of Christianity, wars about Christianity, and foisted by Christianity on the world than any other uh, force in the history of the world. And so by the time I left college, I was what I would describe as a pretty militant atheist. And, uh, you know, if I place myself in, in Scripture now, I, I was Paul. I was the worst among us. I'd, I'd have been... I'd happily been Paul in biblical times, not because I was a religious Jew, but as an anti-Christian. Right. And, um, and so that's kind of how I made my way out into the world. I mean, I, it's embarrassing to say this in hindsight. I say it because I think it's important to acknowledge where we've come from. I mean, I remember literally, I was an English major, so I wrote poetry. And I remember writing a poem, uh, this is post-college, writing a poem that was titled F God, literally. Wow. And I wrote that because... My, my attitude about it is what I've been taught in school, which is in a world filled with ugliness and meanness and cruelty and death and kids with cancer and Hamas, among other things, if there was a God, my attitude was, well, I don't really want to know him then, right? Because if there's a God that's sovereign all over, over all of this, it must be something very evil. So that was kind of my state of mind. I went through law school, ended up getting married, divorced, which was a real dark period for me. My parents... Uh, God bless them, married 64 years now, still married. And so I came from a long married family. And uh, when I got that divorce, it shattered my world because I always considered myself like that was just not even an option, getting divorced. And it wasn't me. My, my wife cheated on me. She was an alcoholic. It was real bad. Uh, what's what happens when you get two lawyers together? It's probably my fault she was an alcoholic. Um, and so I came out of that very dark period, and I ended up uh, meeting my wife. She was a believer. She's always been a believer. Uh, a lot of you guys might know her. Her name's Patty. She's, she's been my saving grace. And I, I still, to this day, Troy, I don't, I, I thank God every day for this. Why? Would somebody like her choose somebody as broken as me? So I don't understand that. You know, we're told uh, in Scripture not to be with somebody with whom you're unequally yoked. We're definitely unequally yoked. She knew God, and I clearly not only did not know God, but had openly rejected God. And uh, for some reason, she stuck with me for a lot of years before I came to the Lord. And there's a very pivotal conversation in her life. God asked her dad for her hand and, and the family loved me. And she said, you know, just so you know, I'm, I'm really worried about you because Mark's a great guy, but yeah, he's going to go to hell. A pretty blunt conversation, real serious Catholic guy. And she said, dad, I don't believe that. I don't know what my Lord has in store, but I have no doubt he would not ever separate me from my husband. And so she knew something I didn't know. She knew something her dad didn't know. Thank God, man. So a lot of years later, I got involved in politics. Actually, probably the first turning point for me, Troy, and every parent in the room can relate to this. I remember when my son was born, Jacob, and I remember standing over his crib. You guys have all done this if you've had kids. If you haven't had kids, you will have this moment. And you look down in that crib, and you see that baby breathing, and you think, man, that is a miracle. Yes, it was amen. literally a miracle. Amen. And I, know, I remember thinking, that that's not me. That's not just biology. There's something else going on there. There's life there, and that's a miracle. And I remember thinking, what does that mean? <laughs> I had that spontaneous thought, but I don't even know what that meant because I didn't believe in God. Right. So the years go by, and uh, I get involved in politics. You and I met during the Tea Party days. And 
during that time period in my life, I traveled all over the country. I, don't, I can't even count the number of states and cities I was in. I've been in 49 states now. Every place I went, I met righteous Christian people. Because if you get engaged in conservative <laughs> politics, that's going to happen, yes. right? Amen. And so you're going to just you're going to sit around a table and you're going to meet people. And I've always really loved people. And I met people, and I would ask them, all right, Troy, I don't get it. You're in politics, but you got a big smile on your face. It's a dirty, right. nasty <laughs> blood sport, and you're still smiling. What is it? And people would say things like, oh, you didn't know me before I met the Lord. Right. Or you didn't know me before I was saved. Or, oh, yeah, well, that's because I walk with Jesus. And all these things, and to me, it was like, I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> that's just weird stuff to me. That's mumbo-jumbo to me. I didn't get it. And, uh, but I started thinking, there's a pattern here. Everybody I meet that I fall in love with, whether it's man or woman or young person, I'm like, they have a relationship with Jesus Christ they keep talking about. So that kind of started to open my heart a little bit. And, th and then I met a guy who, who became really pivotal in my life. Uh, his name's Tim Dunn, mutual friend of ours, really incredible West Texas oilman, yes. uh, responsible. When you see good politics taking place in Texas, you can bet somewhere behind that is a guy by the name of Tim Dunn Amen. and Amen. the Dunn family. And, uh, and Tim started mentoring me, and he introduced me to Scripture, and I was impressed. The guy's one, I would say, actually, the smartest person I've ever met in my life. Very smart. Incredibly brilliant, yes. man. And we talked about everything, I mean, from geology and geography to physics to politics to philosophy to theology. And one day Tim said to me, Mark, what do you know about being Jewish? And I just had a total blank look on my face, like, what do you mean? <laughs> and he said, it's the greatest story ever told. It's the most incredible story. And we know this story. It's a thousands of year old story. We know the story. And you're Jewish, both sides of your family. You should know something. Whether you believe in any of this stuff, you should know this history. And uh, look, Tim has been a great mentor to me. And I knew how smart he was. I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, what do you want to teach me? And he said, well, are you willing to read scripture? And I said, absolutely, for sure. And so he started me on Hebrews. And so I start reading the Hebrews, and I start studying Scripture with Tim. And he's not, this is really important, he's not evangelizing me in the sense that he's not saying to me, Troy, oh, I'm worried about your soul, Mark, you need right. to be saved. All he's doing is just opening my heart. Right. And he's speaking to me where I'm at. Yes. I'm a lawyer, I'm a very logical, science guy. So yes. he's going he's to lay it out to me that way. And there's a pivotal moment in our relationship where Tim asks me a question. And he said... Um, how do you think Judaism and Christianity separated? How did they become separate faiths? And I said, well, you know, I don't really know anything about that, but I just presume, you know, the story goes that Jesus is born and he lives and he does his ministry and he's crucified. And if you're a believer, you believe that then he's resurrected after three days and he ascends to the right hand of God. And the people who believe that are Christians and the people who don't believe that or juice. <laughs> Pretty simple, huh? <laughs> the cartoon version. And uh, I told you I'm a simple guy. And uh, he goes, uh, no, that's wrong. <laughs> like, okay, lay it on me, teacher. And he said, no, nah, you need to go figure it out. That's embarrassingly wrong. <laughs> you just, like, you shouldn't say stuff like that. And go figure it out. And what I realized for me, as somebody who was exploring, not easy. Right. Right? There's not like some simple timeline, it doesn't say in the Bible, and then this year these people didn't believe anymore. There's nothing <laughs> like that. So I started studying scripture, reading biblical history, 
uh, trying to really understand the story. And what I came to, and I'm going to simplify this for time's sake, but you know, you, everything I said is true. I now know as fact, right? Everything he said, everything I said to him about Jesus is all fact, but the timeline was all wrong. And so all that stuff happens, and then you have a bunch of Jewish people who believe that Jesus Christ is the risen Messiah. And when you study the Bible, what you realize, what I realize, you all know this, I didn't know this, what you realize is that there's all these Jews running around saying, we know the Messiah, and the Messiah has come, and he's our Messiah. And none of the other Jews are saying to those Jews, oh, so you're Christians now. <laughs> now, if you don't come from a Jewish family, you might not get this, but this is what I imagine they're saying. Ah, there's those crazy Jews over there. They think the Messiah already came. Meshuggah. <laughs> Right, and and that's the way Jews are like the way we are culturally. There's an old joke: if you have three Jews sitting around a table and they're having an argument, there'll be four opinions among the three <laughs> Jews. Right? So, so this is I, I realize. Wait a minute. So there are Jews that believe that the Messiah has come, and they're still Jews. So this is what I'm starting to discover as I'm reading this stuff. And digging into it, and I do some more history, and I realize 75 years after the events I just described is the first rebellion, a partial destruction of the temple. Those who are widely known as Nazarenes, they leave, and they don't fight in that rebellion. They don't, and so when they come back afterwards and the temple's rebuilt, there's a little bit of a schism in the Jewish community at that point. People are kind of mad that they didn't fight, but they make up. And, uh, you know, this is, we do this in Jewish families. We fight and make up and fight. It's just kind of what we do. So they all make up. They're still the crazy Jews that believe in the Messiah. After at about 150 years total, uh, there's the second rebellion. The temple's completely destroyed. And at that point is the actual break where the Jews who believe that the Messiah has come, who follow Jesus, they're like, that's not our thing anymore. We, we follow Messiah. And, and so what that did for me as a, a Jew... Um, not, not a religious Jew, but as somebody who's culturally Jewish, it, this door opened in my heart. And it, every time I tell the story, and I've told the story a lot now, I tingle. Like, I can feel this door. And what it did, it was a door that said, you mean I can be Jewish and be a Christian? And this is a radical <laughs> thing to realize as a Jew. Um, when you grow up as a Jew, I think this is true for every Jew I've ever met. I've had this conversation. Nobody ever said to me, if you're a Jew and you become a Christian, you're not a Jew anymore, or you betrayed the Jewish people. Nobody ever said those words to me. Those words are in my heart. Like, I believed that. And that's what I would have said. Like, why would I be a Christian? That's a betrayal of who I am as a Jew. And what I realized is it wasn't. And so I remember having this conversation with Tim late night on the phone, and I said, so this means that I can be Jewish and be a Christian. And he said, well, it's not exactly right. I said, okay, lay the nuance on me. And he said, you can be Jewish and you're supposed to be a Christian. This is the completion. This is the promise that was made to you, to your people, through your lineage, through all these centuries, was that the Jews were told the Messiah would be sent for you and the Messiah has been sent. This is exactly what's happening. The promise has been fulfilled and all you have to do is accept it. And it blew my mind. It completely, it was like a complete paradigm shift. And I can't say that I became a believer in that moment. I didn't. The possibility of accepting Christ as my Savior opened in that moment. It no longer felt like betrayal. And then it felt in that moment like, I got to do something. 
Like, I've met all these Christians I love. I got this brother, Tim Dunn, who I love, who's mentoring me. I got to understand this. Like, I got to dig in. And that's, again, my nature, which is just study, study, study. So I started reading scripture. I, I started at the beginning of the Hebrew Bible. I went through the entire Hebrew Bible. I read the New Testament. I, I started reading apologetics. I, I read Case for Christ. I dug into Chesterton and C.S. Lewis. And then uh, the, the epiphany event, like the big thing that's supposed to happen, you know, like the lights flash and you feel your heart pound and <laughs> it never came. It was like one day I just thought, this is all true. I believe in all this stuff. I guess that means I'm a Christian. <laughs> and I don't even remember the day, but I remember, I remember thinking, all right, Lord, I have no idea how to pray. Like, I don't, this is really weird. I don't know how this works, but if you'll have me, I'm yours. Whatever, whatever you want of me, I'm a sinner. I can't do any of this stuff by myself. I understand you died for my sins and I give my, my life to you. And it was not, to be honest with you, emotional thing. It was just very like, this is where I'm at. And, uh, and so ever since that moment, um, I've just been more and more and more on fire for the Lord. That was 10 years ago. I'm 61. I was 51 years old when that happened. Uh, something that I think is different about me than most people you'll find, like politics and religion, they're inseparable for me. Every Amen. place Amen. that they Amen. say we're not supposed to do it, Amen. I do it. Amen. Every place they say you shouldn't open in prayer, I open in prayer. Yes. Every place they say it's inappropriate to talk about Jesus Christ, I'm going to talk about Jesus Amen. Christ. Right? Amen. Amen. And so I think part of that is being a new believer. Yes. Like um, I, my wife describes it, it's like you just you fell in love with the girl for the first time. <laughs> yes. And I still feel that way every single day in my life. I wake up and I can't believe that I got saved. I can't believe a sinner like me, a Paul like me, had the blessing of having the Lord put a believer in my life, put people like you in my life, uh, put people like Dr. Dobson in my life. I had an experience yeah. with Dr. Dobson. You all know who James Dobson is, or most of you. I sat at a dinner table with him, Troy, one night, me and Dr. Dobson, his beautiful wife, Betty, and a whole bunch of really important people who I don't remember at all. <laughs> Senators and ambassadors, and it was at some fancy political event. And I, all of them talking about themselves. I was this little tea party guy. I felt like the little leaguer in the big leagues. And I remember just, I was fascinated. I knew exactly who Dr. Dobson was. I knew he'd ministered to people all over the world. Remember, I wasn't a believer at that point, but I knew how important this man was. Everybody wanted to talk about themselves, and Dobson would not. Like, it was very obvious. People yes. were like, well, doctor, tell us about the time you met president. And he'd be like, oh, we could talk about that later. How did you become ambassador to Germany? Like, that's got to be a <laughs> And he would just turn it away. And I remember looking at him thinking, I never met anybody like this. Here's a really famous guy, a really powerful guy, total humility, like literal total humility. He thought about the Lord and not about himself. Right. He thought about serving and not about leading. And I was stunned by that. The contrast to everybody else, and they weren't bad people, but the contrast to everybody else, I remember thinking, him. That's how, I, I wanna know what that guy has, right? right? I wanna yes. be like that. So I think Troy, I just, I'm the most blessed guy on earth. God was incredibly patient with me. He used a two by four across my forehead numerous times and I did not listen. And uh, I thank God every day for his patience and his love and his grace. And, and that's how I came to be saved by politics, not the normal path. <laughs> amen, amen. 
This has been the podcast version of the Battle Cry with Mark Meckler. Visit conventionofstates.com slash pod to learn more. Thank you for listening.